0: So I'm at the Automation Town Center for hi, for co-working today. Got a few meetings. Actually, some major podcasting execs flew in from Wilmington, Nebraska. Is that? Hey, Chad.
1: Hey, Jason. What are you? You just caught me. Yeah, caught me at a bad time. What are you doing here? There's this uh, crypto kitties thing happening at noon, and press and refresh.
0: You just refreshing that thing over and over
1: again. Last twenty minutes.
0: Five. Yep. So you came to a co-working space to catch the crypto kitties drop. This was your intro. Apparently, I am. Let me show you how to automate that. All right. I'm Jason. I'm Chad. Welcome to Automation Town, where regular people try to automate the problems we all share. So, Chad, I don't know about you, but I find myself regularly having to monitor websites, just like your CryptoKitties example. Some sort of update's going to happen on a website. I want to know as soon as it happens, or I want to pull some sort of info off of that page when it changes. Is this something that you've encountered in the wild?
1: There's a recurring theme of things that happened in my life. It's either food related to RVs moving around, or just generally being still. And one of those examples falls into that category. It relates back to San Diego. There is a RV park next to a beautiful tennis court and golf place and volleyball courts. Okay. But their website is old school and there's no notifications set up. Okay. They say come back in July or August, we'll let you know when you can book. So this is really interesting to me because now I'm guessing you're going to show me how I can track that website. And figure out when i can book an rv site in san diego
0: yeah so when i last talked to you when you were in san diego you pointed your camera out a window and there was like a horse stable outside so to that the tennis court place didn't pan out
1: <laughs> the tennis court place was under renovation so yes we were near horse stables in del mar and it was fun so you stayed in bethlehem instead mm-hmm.
0: okay so i have this situation pretty often i feel like where i want to be notified if the page changes so a few examples Let's say, like you said, you're waiting for some sort of drop or event announcement, like maybe ticket sales start, something like that. How about a Zillow page? You want to know when a house goes up for sale, if the price changes. Uh, More businessy things like interest rates. So federal interest rates get posted on a certain page. We pull that rate into other things. A careers page on a website?
1: Or a job board for accountants. Okay, well. (laughs) Sorry.
0: How about A Facebook relationship status?
1: People still use Facebook?
0: They still use the relationship status. I don't, I I haven't done that. Good use case. Uh, A drop for Web3 people, your CryptoKitties example. How about the price on an Amazon page? Mm -hmm. Even grabbing the number of Twitter followers off a profile page. That's actually hard to do via the tools that we normally use, but you could set up notifications, you could pull that amount on a recurring basis, that sort of thing. It seems like, if there were a way to be notified of page changes, this is a thing that ought to be helpful, right?
1: Piqued my interest. So Chad, mm-hmm.
0: how would you approach something like this? Grabbing stuff off of a page, being notified when something changes.
1: When I was back in university, there was a system called Blackboard and like trying to figure out when you could get a course was was a hard thing. And there was all these these websites where if teachers wouldn't send a, a notification out through the system, you know, they would essentially do it the next morning or something else, but you, you know, you could get access to it if it was up there.
0: So this was like registering for classes and you had to like be first in line kind of thing.
1: It's more like the the second piece where you wanted to get access to something on a site or you wanted to see when it changed or when somebody put a comment in. And this was I'm sure APIs and stuff was accessible back then, but just 20-year-old or 19-year-old me didn't know how to do that. So there's been websites where you can track changes mm. you know, to websites and be notified through emails. And I had set up a couple of them where you would you know, put in the URL, the frequency in which you wanted it to check, and then it would send it off. And it was all free, but there was premium features. And for a couple instances, I did pay for it because it was really important to me, maybe one. But the majority of them, I would set these things up and it would either be an email notification or your own private RSS feed that you could follow. But it was at the mercy of the other tool. Mm-hmm. So some drawbacks existed where maybe it wasn't grabbing something because it was in a hidden iframe or something like that that wasn't visible. So I'm hoping that today we go through something that maybe you know does something similar or has an element of something that isn't on screen and it's, it's more backend. I'm really curious how you approached it.
0: Do you remember what any of those services were called?
1: This was in 2001, Jason. Oh, All I remember is using Flash and Dreamweaver.
0: And in 2001, <laughs> you weren't monitoring people's relationship status on Facebook? When did Facebook start? Yeah, it was a little later than that, wasn't it? My college days were peak Facebook, and this would have been so handy.
1: Hmm. What year did you go to university? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to university in 2006. Hmm. Back when you had to have an actual college like .edu email address to sign up. What the hell are we talking about here, Chad? Okay, so I found a great tool to do this. It integrates with Zapier. So connecting it with all of your other goodies is super simple. It's called URLooker. It's like URL Looker, but one
1: L. That's dangerous. Let's say that again?
0: Your Looker. So yourlooker.com, automate your workflows. Save time, monitor important page changes connect to any page, Zapier, IFTTT, and even webhooks. So free service, obviously paid options, but you get to monitor a couple of pages and it like checks them once every 24 hours for free. Set this up with Zapier, super simple. And it's basically just got two triggers. So a trigger for anytime a specific element on a page changes. So not anything in the entire page, but a specific element. So for example, if you are watching the price of a specific Amazon item, you could point it at the price. So if other things on the page change, it isn't triggered. It's only changed. If the price changes, the other trigger is anything in the page changes and that one hands off basically the entirety of the page data. So those are the two Zapier triggers, but the process starts over on the looker side because you set up in there what web pages you want to actually watch how frequently you want it to check the page, what time of the day you want it to check the page. And it's actually done in a really intelligent way. You create these pages that it will watch for you. You put the URL in and it actually in a little sub window pulls up the page itself. So for example, we drop msn.com in there. On the one hand, you can have a watch for anything at all changing on msn.com, which I don't know, presumably happens every 30 seconds. On the other hand, that little preview sub window, you can actually mouse over it and it will select all the different elements on the page. So using the Amazon product example, that's probably a better example. You hover over the price, all you do is click on it and you save your workflow basically. Then when you go to set up your trigger on the Zapier side, you connect your account to Zapier and it will show those pages that you set it up to watch and just trigger anytime, you know, that Amazon price changed, for example.
1: Okay. So that's the nuts and bolts that's the trigger that's the action inside of zapier what are some more tangible uses of this that you could think of in your life
0: the way we've used it thus far it's kind of been here and there you stumble into these situations where maybe it's actually going to be valuable for our clients to be notified when a specific thing comes up and you're going to look smart if you're the first one to let them know or you're working with a government agency where they have news releases and there isn't really an automated way to get those things from them. But oftentimes there's so many of these different agencies and that information's buried in so many different pages that it's hard to pull all that stuff up into a simplified view. So we've set that up on a few kind of pages where we've gotten burned by not being aware of what was posted there. So it's probably a good tool for those systems where you don't have any other means of getting that information in an automated way
1: something similar happens in canada we have certain documents that live on the same url and they have for decades or maybe you know 5 10 15 years and sometimes we don't know that they've dropped for a day or two or three depending on when the the notices come out from the government so i could see us putting something like this on that and having it set up to you know the company slack channel to let them know when something's changed it's not a bad idea
0: do you do any spying on other companies
1: when I started thinking about like marketing and things, and obviously f- haven't done a great job of that. I bought a subscription to—it's so bad I don't even remember the name of the company, SEM Rush. It was like 200 bucks a month, and never really used it. But I think the first thing I did was just put in a whole bunch of companies that you know were similar to us, <laughs> and kind of see what they were ranking for.
0: So, what does SEM Rush
1: do? A whole bunch of SEO stuff for your website so you can see okay. keywords and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think we're pretty regularly poking around the websites of other people that do things similar to what we do, especially regionally. So everything from just the site itself, updates to pricing updates to updates to their team. What we do is pretty geographic and it's a small world and we know a lot of the people that are moving around. And this is something that right now I may poke around those sites once a quarter, But with something like this, you could point that to five websites and get notifications anytime those things changed.
1: It's like your own custom poker. Yes, custom poker. My wife tells me I'm not funny at all, and I agree with her. This isn't the place for this conversation. (laughs) No, no, definitely not. While you were talking about URLooker.com, I searched to see if there was any competitors and what their use cases were. So this is definitely not my ideas, kind of taking it off their websites but if you were to take a couple use cases, if you're big into an international audience, uh, there are some of these features that can monitor web pages in every country and let you know if there's any country-specific issues. Hmm. That seems pretty plausible if you're a big company.
0: Yeah, so monitoring changes to the page on the different regional versions of the page?
1: I think it's like a, it's an on on-or-off thing. You know, Is the page still up? Is it not up in certain countries? If so, why? It could be a monitoring piece. Another one that I liked was... They said you can collect history and changes on a website for up to 12 months on one of their paid plans that's kind of interesting if if you want to see i mean there is the wayback machine if it if it works for the site you're looking at but i think this is super granule a granule so you can see text changes image changes interesting essentially every single change made it also allows you to you know, send summaries. So while you you can hook yours up to, to Zapier, some of these systems, the one I'm looking at right now is pretty interesting. It's a butcher the name, but it says watchit, W A C H E T E.com.
0: That's Wachetti, like machete. <laughs> Wachetti. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's lots of options here. The one I like too, it says create an RSS feed from the content and watching the changes in statuses from any web page. Sure. It also integrates with Zapier, and it has its own REST API interface. You can do whatever you want with it. Interesting.
0: I don't know about you. There's a few companies who I pay especially close attention to their release notes, like product updates, that sort of thing. Mm. I'm rarely able to find like an RSS feed or a way to capture that stuff automatically. This could potentially be a way to aggregate some of those updates too if there isn't a more automated means to get them.
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I just I don't find myself wanting to see the changes in a website anymore very much. I don't know if it's just the type of work we do or, or what we go through on a day-to-day basis, but I definitely did a, a lot more in the, the early 2000s when I think you know, notifications and ways to keep up on stuff, whether it's Twitter or the emails that you're signed up for now than versus the ones you were signed up for 15, 20 years ago. It just seems like information is all over the place and um, yeah, there's definitely other ways to, to get information, but this is between this and that one. There's definitely some, some tech now.
0: In the hierarchy of what's the best way to get this information, this is one of those like you don't have any other way to get it sort of solutions, right? You don't have an RSS feed, mm-hmm. you don't have an API integration, something like that. This is your fallback for those unconnected systems.
1: Yeah. There's also a, um, another one called visualping.io. What I like about their site is that they let you pick what's important to you, for how often you check. So it starts at five minutes, goes to hourly, then daily, then weekly, then monthly. And when you look at the price difference between the fastest and the slowest, the slowest is free for five a day. Going down to weekly, you know, you're essentially paying twenty-five bucks a month. You go right down to you know I want to check this thing every five minutes you're at a minimum of $70 US a month, and you can check one site every five minutes.
0: So what are the, what are kind of the levers of like usage with these different tools? So I've got the URL looker pricing page here up. At the free tier, you're checking two pages once a day. At the $4 per month tier, you're tracking 10 pages with four checks per day. So what is that every six hours? 10 bucks, 25 pages every hour, 25 bucks, 100 pages, 48 checks a day, so every 30 minutes. So, In the use case of CryptoKitties, are any of these services going to be fast enough? I feel like you're going to miss the drop. Even at five minutes, you're going to miss the drop, right? You're going to
1: miss it. Yeah, You've got to have something API bound or some really, really technical screen scraping stuff that's checking every 100th of a millisecond kind of like those fast trading bots outside of the scope of this discussion for sure yeah
0: so chad did we solve the problem that we started with here today
1: oh no we didn't but we got to learn about what shitty <laughs> Visualping.io. ping.io your lucker your lucker
0: okay go get those crypto kitties that episode's gonna be like maybe even 20 minutes, huh? <laughs> If that.
1: <laughs> this will be one of those episodes where we we drop it alongside of another one. I almost feel bad dro- <laughs> dropping in 18 minutes.
0: Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for the new episode of Automation Town. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe there's a way to tag some sort of bonus onto the end there. What if we sidebar on uh, screen scrapers? Yeah, let's do it. So screen scraping, basically some sort of system that pulls data off of a website in an automated way. This could be with a Chrome extension and it like gives you that data live and you click the Chrome extension and it pulls that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Or you've got services that do that behind the scenes. And that's technically what these tools are, I guess, is cloud screen scrapers. And then they hand that data back to you, right? Yeah. In your day-to-day, again, this is one of those kind of last ditch, is there not a better way to get the information sort of things. In your day-to-day, have you come to use screen scrapers very often?
1: I have in a few situations it has worked out really well before I get into that. I know you've hit it a few different times. What would you say is the most practical use of screen scraping that you use?
0: So the thing I frequently run into is I'm using an app that has a nicely presented data table in a nice kind of structured way with a big list of things, but they don't give you any way to download that thing in a standardized format. So if there's 40 items on the page and eight columns of data, and I need to pull that over into something else or I need a CSV or something like that. Oftentimes that app either doesn't give you any way to do that, or the reports for that app are in a completely different format than what you see on your screen. And so if there are circumstances where you're like, I just want the thing that I'm looking at on the screen in a structured format that I can use elsewhere, I think that's a great use case for screen scraping. That's where I've found myself using it.
1: I also like it too when there's a next button or there's just no way to get through to the second, third, or fourth page. Sure. The alternative, this is my approach, was go to the screen, top left, go to the bottom right, copy, go into a Google Docs, paste, hope that it works. If not, massage it. And you do it eight times because there's eight pages. But you're right, with some pretty free screen scraping tools, you can set that up in probably less than a minute or two uh, once you get the fields named properly, including the next button, get it to run, and you've got your structured data.
0: Yeah, and Pagination's a great example. Eight pages, that's doable, but you've also got situations where there's a massive number of pages and you just want to do a full-on data dump. That's awful for a human user and very error-prone, but it doesn't really matter how many pages it is. If you're using a scraper,
1: it'll pull all that stuff for you. This is where knowing Python really helps, too. I think Python's getting a lot of love over the last few years from people who are just fed up with things not working really well and they just want to build it themselves and got a few people that i know that have gone pretty deep into the world of python and it's it's above what i'm doing now and completely over my head but could see a world where that kind of stuff becomes more mainstream too
0: i think that's how most people are automating stuff on the web these days, so when they're building bots for you know logging into a bank or a utility company and grabbing stuff on an automated basis, I think those are Python libraries they're using to navigate the web now. Mm-hmm.
1: I had a project uh, where we were trying to first learn Bubble, the job board, and I needed to fill it up with a bunch of apps in the space, and there were a few online resources which were absolutely incredible, so. He doesn't know this, but I will, from App Advisory Plus over in the UK. I ran a bot and got every single name, field, logo that I possibly could in the space and got that into Airtable within you know hours. And did the same thing for, let's just say, a major accounting app marketplace without getting into too much trouble. And uh, yeah, pulled the same names, categories, URLs because I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to do that myself. I went on to Upwork. No, this was Fiverr actually. I had a guy that I used for a couple other projects like this and asked him if he knew how to do it. He's like, yeah, I can get it to you in 48 hours. And I was impatient and I said, I'll double the price, which was like an extra 50 bucks to get it within 24 hours. And he delivered and got both of them that quickly. So if you're not into like figuring out how to do it yourself, There's always somebody on Fiverr or Upwork willing to help. Yeah.
0: Do you have any specific tools you've used for scraping that you would recommend or any go-tos for, probably not for the Python crowd, but for the people that just want to have a click around?
1: I've tried a few of them, but to be honest, I get stuck. And I think I get stuck because I hope that it works right off the bat. And when I get frustrated after 10 or 15 minutes, I tend to want to go get help from somebody. Uh, instead of spending an hour or two doing it, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've used a bunch, but not necessarily in love with any. Uh, how about you? Which ones do you like that you've used in the past?
0: So I generally have Simple Scraper just hanging out as a Chrome extension, and it works 90% of the time for me. Super quick and easy, SimpleScraper.io. And honestly, there's not much to it. You click the extension, kind of get a little highlight deal over your cursor, and then you go down and kind of select the data that you wanna pull out of it. There isn't really that much more to it. There are more fancy scrapers like Hexomatic is an example, hexomatic.com, that are getting more toward what I think you would call a crawler, where it will navigate several pages for you, like navigating logins, that sort of thing, and handle grabbing data behind authentication and maybe even taking data out of one thing and putting it in another place. But those tools are getting more and more accessible too, where if there's recurring things that you find yourself having to hop in and just look at or grab a number from that sort of thing, these tools can, for a non-technical user, for the type of person that doesn't know Python, how to code, they can visually set that up just by setting up that workflow with drag and drop
1: and just clicking around the browser. The ones I've tried, um, the darling no-codes of like scraping B, they're in there you've got parse hub, data miner, Came to, came to and I got an email today from one that charges a thousand dollars a month for a fully guaranteed data set for anything that you want. What? And that was kind of cool. That was kind of cool to get. So they'll they'll build it for you. They'll maintain it. Oh wow! They will make changes and let me go grab the name of it for a second.
0: So they'll keep that data set in sync with the page. That's the that's the value offering there.
1: The name of that tool is called Bright Data and how
0: is it spelled not like the word bright
1: it is bright data it is for the first time a name that actually sounds like <laughs> it is holy jeez! yeah so they're, they're trying to be the world's first web data platform from a scraping perspective hmm. and they'll work in all the languages and send it in all the languages and work with big erp systems so if you look on their site it's a brightdata.com and under data collection there's a data collector package and full service is thousand bucks a month or you can do a fifteen hundred dollar one-time project which seems realistic and affordable if it's a huge project
0: and the premise of that relative to just a regular old web scraper is you can point them to a public set of data and they say as a service we're going to give you access to a database that is keeping in sync with all the data that you point us to right
1: Mm -hmm. and not only will they help you do something with it you now have your own environment, your own API that you can query with that data set however you want without having to figure out how to keep it live. Very cool. And if you're super smart, you can use a pay-as-you-go plan where for as little as $5 a thousand pages, uh, you can build your own inside of their environment. So not super cheap, not super expensive at $5 per page load, but they do get you when it comes to the monthly and annual plans that are between like four and 500 bucks a month just to have access to that system. So not cheap, but pretty cool if you have a use case for something like that.
0: Super cool, and I, I try to be mindful of the problems that my customers have that stem from access to data and the speed at which they can get that data. And if you can be the hero and connect them with that information, even if it isn't something that's necessarily like right within your domain, it's one of those kind of value adds that you can offer people that isn't really gonna require heavy lifting on an ongoing basis.
1: This episode was something. Until next time, Jason. We're not, we can't
0: end it like that, Chad. (laughs) It just (laughs) sounds like you hate it. (laughs) Automation Town is hosted by Chad Davis and Jason Stats and edited by Paul Amara. Share your problems with us on Twitter at Chad Davis. Is it just Chad Davis? Yeah. And CPA. How do you spell that? Stats, S-T-A-A-T-S, it's a palindrome. But it has CPA at the end, so it's not a
1: palindrome. Right. So if we're following along, J-S-T-A-A-T-S-C-P-A.
0: You did say it right. If you're enjoying the pod, please leave Automation Town a review by submitting a note in person at the Automation Town Civic Center or sending a fax to 555-908-8404.